of accounting, has been here for 14 years, and also is in charge of the internship program for accounting majors. And then moving across the room, Jonathan Geyser is new this year in our department. He is uh, half-time teaching and also half-time director of uh, business development, which means he's in charge of the management development program, family business program, and also the assets program. Carlos Gutierrez, also new this year, is an assistant professor of business, teaching courses uh, as well as um, supervising the internships for business majors. And then Gerald Richer is a uh, account, uh, accounting, sorry, Gerald, economics professor. This is, he's in his second year uh, teaching economics and will soon be leaving to lead a year of SST in Peru. Thank you. Jim Brenneman is the 16th president of Goshen College, is a scholar, pastor, author, and teacher. He came to Goshen from Pasadena, California two and a half years ago with his wife, Terry, and their son, Quinn. Jim spent the previous 26 years in Pasadena as the founding pastor of the Pasadena Mennonite Church, on the faculty of the Episcopal Theological School at Claremont, and senior associate in leadership development for World Vision. Jim is a 1977 graduate of Goshen College and holds an MA and PhD in Hebrew scripture and an MDiv in pastoral ministry. He once wrote that he believes that, quote, even more perhaps than pastors, teachers, social workers, or politicians, the most significant means of transforming societies for the good of the whole will come through creative business entrepreneurs and leaders who view their work as a divine calling to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. Welcome, Jim. Thank you all so much for coming. It's wonderful to see so many uh, faces that have become friends of mine over the course of the last two and a half years. I'm growing to love Indiana more and more because of people like you, the wonderful men and women in business who seek to bring to pass the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm honored also to have met Nathan Feldman today, and I look forward to his comments as well. Since coming to Goshen College, I have had the privilege of getting to know uh, a number of you, but one person in particular I'm, I'd like to introduce this, this morning, and that's Dan Morrison. I've gotten to know him a bit more because Dan serves on our board of directors, for which we're privileged to have him do that. Also, just in case you were noticing that Dan is slightly older than he, or is approaching uh, uh, middle age. Tomorrow is Dan's birthday, and I wish him a very happy birthday as well. Dan is currently the co-CEO of Heritage Financial Group, where he has worked since 1991. Prior to that, he worked for Price Waterhouse and Merchants National Bank. He's a graduate of Indiana University, and past president of Elkhart Chamber of Commerce, and has served, as you know, in many other community leadership capacities throughout the county and beyond. And from our standpoint here at Goshen College, one of our core values is that of Christ-centered servant leadership. And we believe that Dan emulates and models that core value for our students and for others who know him so well. He lives in Bristol, Indiana, with his wife, Jan, and their four children. And Dan will come in just a minute to introduce our uh, guest speaker for today. But will you please join me in thanking God for this meal as we 
prepare to hear our speaker. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this meal. Bless each hand that brought it to us from field and farm to these our tables. In giving us today our daily bread, we pray also the words of St. Benedict, give us not only our daily bread, O Lord, but give us today the wisdom to discover you, the intelligence to understand you, the diligence to seek after you, the patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you through the power of your spirit. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jim, for reminding me that I entered my middle age years. My wife reminds me that every day as well, so, so thank you. It's, it's my honor to introduce our speaker today. Uh, I got to know uh, Nathan this summer uh, on another trip up here, and I think you'll uh, enjoy his comments today. But our speaker comes to us with experience in both the public and the private sectors. He was part of Governor Mitch Daniels' cabinet, and he led Indiana's economic development efforts as CEO of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation from 2005 to 2008. And during that time, he negotiated with more than 700 companies that chose to create jobs and invest right here in Indiana. Prior to his state service, he served as a partner with Ice Miller in Indianapolis and Alzheimer and Gray in Chicago, where he focused on mergers and acquisitions and general corporate representations. Before his US legal experience, he spent four years in Moscow with the international law firms of Baker and McKenzie and Steptoe and Johnson. And while he was there, he represented multinational companies seeking to do business in Russia. He is also fluent in Russian, the Russian language, so if you want to converse with him afterwards, feel free to do that. As of January, he joined Baker and Daniels in Indianapolis as a partner where he concentrates on corporate and commercial transactions. He received his undergraduate degree from my alma mater, Indiana University, and his law degree from the Indiana University School of Law. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Nathan Feltman. Thanks, Dan, and uh, it's great to be with all of you today. I'm uh, back near my hometown, growing up in Mishawaka. Any Penn High School graduates in the room? A uh, couple, all right. Uh, so uh, familiar territory. My family is uh, nearby, lives in Granger, so I always like coming back this neck of the woods. Unfortunately, I don't get to stay as long this time around, but uh, always loved coming back. Beautiful place, with a part of the state uh, that I, I miss living in central Indiana with the, the lakes and uh, great communities and, and quality of life. I'm a little intimidated today, though, because you guys are all used to hearing from the President of the United States when it comes to economic <laughs> development matters. I mean, how do I even come close to, uh, to that? Holy cow. Um, but what amazing times uh, that we're living through right now with our economy. As I was walking in, someone gave me the bad news that the Dow is losing or uh, another 200 points first time in how many years now we're below 7,000. Sorry to ruin your lunch uh, even more so. Uh, but uh, it's, it's amazing times and uh, one that we certainly couldn't have thought about 
uh, we'd be in this predicament uh, just a year ago or a year and a half ago. So amazing and so crazy. I mean, who would have predicted or who could have just made this up if you were uh, watching a movie or, or uh, thinking wild thoughts? Who would have been able to make up the fact that you know, a month and a half or so ago, the top CEOs of our big three companies are flying on their individual jets out to Congress to ask for money, and then three weeks later, they're driving their fuel-efficient cars there because afraid to, you know, to go back on their jets after getting, you know, whipped by, by Congress. I mean, just, I mean, truly amazing things that uh, none of us could have predicted. Even more crazy, uh, Indiana went Democratic for the first time in 40 years. How is that? How, at the presidential level? There's not as many laughs on that front, I noticed. <laughs> Maybe crazier to me, but uh, uh, at, at any rate. Um, and then this county uh, clearly has been at the epicenter of what's going on right now, the stimulus bill just recently is going on. Um, I was sitting in uh, just a couple weeks ago in Fort Myers, Florida uh, with my family and uh, watching Obama, President Obama in Elkhart, and then the next day he was flying down where I was in Fort Myers, which is the, is this, uh, I'm getting a little feedback on the, the mic, I don't know if that can be adjusted or not. Um, maybe I'll just push it out. Um, is that better? Um, Fort Myers, Florida is the foreclosure capital of the world, so I'm seeing my, basically my hometown on one end and then uh, where I'm vacationing on the other. Uh, again, just amazing, amazing times that we're all living through. And of course we've been through hard times before and certainly this county knows them better than most. Uh, we all know what's happened with the RV industry and, and the automotive industry, certainly in the state of Indiana, over the last uh, many decades and the cycles that we've gone through. But I don't think we've seen anything that's quite like this. And I, I spent time uh, when I was in my government position with Governor Daniels meeting with the RV executives, and there may be some in the room today. Any RV executives in the room uh, today? A few. And they, they don't want to identify themselves for some reason. <laughs> well, uh, it's good to see those of you that are here, though. Uh, and, but in working, with, uh, in working with them, you know, it's clear that this is unprecedented territory, even, even for an industry that has gone through ups and downs. I mean, uh, $4 a gallon gasoline, not very long ago, right? Uh, that was the, sort of the start of it. And at the same time, a collapsing stock market, and everyone opens their 401k statements, and those, of course, that buy RVs are generally a little bit older, and they see their, their, their portfolio going down. And then we see what's happening with the credit crisis and the banks collapsing. Companies can't, uh, can't get credit to, to, to buy goods and inventory. Um, no financing is really available on, on reasonable terms. And that was just getting started, right? That was just a couple months ago. I just described a couple months ago. And now it's taken another sort of uh, level, gone another level where consumer confidence has really fallen off a cliff. People aren't buying homes. People aren't buying cars. Uh, and the retail sector, as we all continue hearing, has been, has been massively hit. So as a result, our automotive companies, which Indiana is very reliant on, and RV companies are totally uh, suffering one of the worst downturns that we ever can remember. And as an automotive state, we know we're getting hit hard with the big three in trouble. Uh, we, we're, we're seeing uh, even, the, even the Japanese that operate in the state, their sales off 33%. You know uh, that it's, it's being felt across the board. Um, as most of you know, in, in this country, we've built an automotive industry, both domestic and foreign, with uh, the ability to produce 17 million vehicles a year. Does anybody know how many vehicles were sold last year, approximately, in this country? About 11 million. 
about 11 million vehicles with an industry that is built for 17 million. So you know we're, we're going to suffer as a state. We're going to have a difficult time when we're so over capacity and overemployed. In this county, we've gone from just what was the unemployment rate about a year ago? Approximately 5%. And, and we've, all, we've gone to north of 15%. I mean, how, how often has that happened? So what I've described is a really ugly picture, right? And we're all feeling it. it. It seems like an ugly picture. Now contrast that picture with the following picture of Indiana that you don't read about and you don't hear about very often. If you look in the right places, you might see it. But contrast all that bad news with the following. You know, what state is one of three in the country that has a, has a surplus, has a rainy day fund? There's only three in the country left today. Indiana is one of them. The other two, anybody hazard a guess? Alaska? Uh, it's not Alaska. Uh, it's Wyoming and North Dakota. So nowhere, nowhere even close. I guess some, some funny laughter on that. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a fantastic position to be in. Yes, we're, we're challenged. Tax revenues have fallen off a cliff in Indiana, and there's a budget session, as some of you know, right now going on in Indianapolis. We're trying to put together a budget for the next two years, and it's going to be challenging because there's less tax dollars. But we're in a position with a rainy day fund of approximately $1.3, $1.4 billion. That's the envy of most states. So that's, that's something you don't hear very often. Not that long ago, and if you, if you were paying attention to the governor's race uh, a few months back, you would have seen some of these stats. But we're only one of 10 states in the country right now that has a AAA a bond rating from Standard & Poor's. Uh, and why is that important? Uh, the state of Indiana is saving over $200 million at the state level and local level when you want to go finance a school or you want to finance a library. You're saving a financing cost because of that. So that's, that's a positive. We're the only state in the union that has enough money in the bank to actually build roads and improve roads as a result of some small little program that no one here I know in this part of the state has known, hear, heard of, this major moves program of leasing of the toll road. Has anybody heard about that up here? <laughs> Didn't really get much press, I know. Uh, my family lives up here. And, you know, see, the rest of the state uh, has a, you know, really, this didn't really hit them like it hit this part of the state about leasing the toll road. Uh, the rest of the state couldn't really figure out what the fuss was about. Uh, but up here, I know, is, is very controversial. And my, here's my interesting, I, I need to take a poll. So how many, when the deal was done, thought that was a good idea? Raise your hand. When the deal was done, be honest. You thought it was a good deal? How many, how many now think the deal, that didn't, don't raise your hand if you already raised it, but how many now think it was a really good idea and deal? It didn't before, maybe. So there's, there's a few out there who have been convinced. That the amazing thing about this is that we are in a position as a state like no other when it comes to infrastructure. And we were there before McCain and Obama were talking about it. And before Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Rendell said that we need to lease, do the same thing Indiana and Chicago, Mayor Daley did with the Sky, Skyway, because we, we can't afford the, the infrastructure improvements and the, and, the, and the bridge repairs. You see bridge collapses in Minnesota. We were ahead of the game in the state of Indiana. And, it's, it, you know, and we did the deal at the very top of the market. I mean, think about what's happened since we did the deal. We got 60 times earnings. I mean, if any, any, any business owner here, I, I think if you had someone come write you a check and say, I'll put the money in the bank and I'll pay you 60 times earnings, I think you'd figure out how quickly you get that, that, that uh, document, that contract signed. 
Um, so, you know, now this is looking like a really, really bad deal for the other side. And, and, and their stocks is, is having a difficult time. But meanwhile, we got the money in the bank, earning $200 million in interest, and really able to do the things that economists will tell you you have to do in order to see a growing economy and see new jobs added. So that's something that is in Indiana's favor. We were named, the state was named the most improved state in the, in the country last year by CNBC, moving from 26th to 13th, and said that we were the third best country, third, base, third best state in the country for business friendliness, and the fourth best for strength and transportation infrastructure. And again, that was a result of the major moves money. Um, we have the lowest cost of doing business in the Midwest, and sixth lowest nationally, according to Forbes. We're the lowest tax state in the Midwest and 14th lowest nationally, according to the Tax Institute. And last year, Indiana was named the most improved state for business by Site Selection Magazine, a, a periodical that follows where new investments are being made and how, and how states compete. And then in, in, uh, earlier last year, CEOs, uh, as gauged by what's called CEO Magazine, some of you CEOs may get it, uh, CEOs across the country said Indiana was one of the top eight states in the entire country for, for putting new investments. So while we're losing lots of jobs, and we, and we hear that constantly, we obviously know that and we know it's real, at the same time, given all those factors I just mentioned, we're actually competing for new opportunities when there are new investments. Now, as we all know, everybody's pulling up uh, stakes right now, and, and there's not a lot of new investment happening. But when, when there is an opportunity, Indiana surfaces to the top quicker than most in this country. That's a positive. In, in 2006 and 2007, as was mentioned, um, we closed a lot of deals in this state. Unfortunately, not enough of them came up to the northern part of the state, where I'm from and, and where you all are, obviously. We'd like to see that improve. We all would like to see that improve. But on a, if you look at on a comparative basis, where Indiana uh, compares to the rest of the country in terms of where new jobs and, no, and new investments are coming, this is a stat that doesn't get told very often. We rank, state of Indiana ranked number one in 2006 and 2007 on a per capita basis for new job commitments to the state, to the state of Indiana. Number one in the entire country in 2006 and 2007. You're probably saying, how the heck is that possible? Um, it, it's, it, it's reality, it's true. Uh, now that doesn't take into account the fact that we are losing jobs and, and we're not gaining now jobs as fast as we're losing them. Obviously that's, that's happening around the country and frankly it's happening around the world given where the world economy is. But th those are all positives. So we know all the negatives now. We know all the positives that I just mentioned. So where does that leave Indiana? Where does that leave Indiana going into the future? First I'd say, yes we have challenges. Uh, but we have to face those challenges, and we, we obviously can't turn back the clock. All of us know that in the global world we live in. We have to figure out how we're going to turn this thing around. But we're, we're building, and we have the opportunity to build from a position of strength. Our neighbors, you look at Illinois, you look at Ohio, you look at Michigan, our neighbors are in a real difficult situation. I guarantee you, you will see tax increases in Illinois. I guarantee you'll see tax increases in Michigan. And you're likely to see them in Ohio, and frankly, you're likely to see them most of the most of the states around the country. You know that's not a good thing. When you increase taxes at the state level, one thing happens. Economists prove this over and over again. One thing happens. Businesses do not invest in, in, in new research and development. New jobs, therefore, not as many of them are, are, are created. And, and, and international investment looks to the places where it's going to be less taxed. 
And that's today a big part of where the new jobs and new investment opportunities are coming. So that's a, that's a different situation than most. We're not in that position. We're also, we're not cutting programs. We're not cutting education. Yes, based on the tax falls, the, the tax uh, drop in tax dollars at the state level, we're not going to be able to increase the amount spent in the state on education at the university level and public school level. But we're not cutting. We're not whacking jobs like you're seeing in California, like you see in other states, because we have a better uh, organized and, and well-run government, frankly, than, than many states. Uh, so that's a, we're not, we're not uh, cutting workforce development programs. That's a positive. And to pick up on this, about half of you, I think, like major moves, and the other half are still, still trying to decide whether I can convince you or not of that. But we can make some major moves in this state, and I'm not talking about infrastructure, as a result of the stimulus plan. Um, this is an opportunity, frankly, uh, for Indiana. And there, it was interesting. There were a lot of people saying, well, because Indiana is not in this fiscal basket case, fiscal basket case like uh, uh, California or New York, are we going to somehow be disadvantaged as, as a result of the stimulus plan? In other words, we, we, we ran a well-run government. We have some money. Are they going to not give us as much? Well, no, it's not been the case. And we got our fair share. And we, and we will try, frankly, to get more than our fair share. There's a lot of discretionary dollars you can go after that don't come directly to the state, but you have to go apply for. But because we're not in the same situation as Illinois, there are a lot of other states, frankly, 47 of, 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 our, of our friends and neighbors around the country. We don't have to plug as many holes with the stimulus money. Therefore, we can get pretty creative with the kind of initiatives that we think are going to be important, important job creators of the future. So that could be alternative energy. It could be electrification of the car. It could be uh, life sciences. We, we can think a little more creatively and have a little bit more flexibility than most. Second, uh, in terms of uh, what's next for Indiana, is we can't stop focusing on reaching outward. outward in other words, reaching beyond our borders, reaching beyond our comfort zones. Uh, we have to continue to reach out internationally. Um, as you all know, the last two decades, this world has changed dramatically. Uh, where you've got over 6 billion people competing in this world for new jobs and investment. Think what the world was like two decades ago for those of you that are um, approaching middle life, like Dan and myself. Uh, <laughs> we know two decades ago that um, it, was, it was about half of the population of this world that were in market economies. Today, Soviet unions collapsed. India and China are competing in an in international marketplace with market more capitalistic systems. And so today, if you're not reaching out globally, and selling the product, and I was just talking to Dorinda Hyden, who's over here and works for the Economic Development Corporation, and, and we were talking just about this, 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 this um, issue, you gotta get out and you gotta tell your story, and tell your region's story and your state's story, and if you're not, you're gonna get beat by somebody else, another country, another state who's out there. And we've got a great, great product to sell, which is why the governor has been reaching out uh, internationally, he's been to Japan four years in a row, been to Europe, uh, we've been to almost every uh, country you can think of where there's good investment opportunities uh, in terms of new investment coming this way. But we have to really think about trying to be open to that investment, not just to the dollars, but to the people. Uh, Indiana can't, um, can't, can't uh, be quite as um, sort of sit back and, and wait for this to come as maybe California or New York or places on the coast that have more diversity, frankly, than Indiana has. We have to be more aggressive. We have to tell our story. And I think that's really, really important uh, for, for a lot of us to think about and for our communities to think about. Um, it's a real quick side note. 
Um, I mean, think back two decades ago about what was happening in this country with respect to Japanese investment. If, if, if you will remember, it wasn't very welcome. And, and were, there were stories about the Japanese buying Pebble Beach and the Chrysler Building in New York. And, 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 and frankly, um, Japanese companies and investors said, gosh, you know, our money's not wanted, our, our jobs are not wanted. And so, um, and Indiana sort of took that attitude a bit. And so, you know, we had to really step out and go visit these CEOs or making decisions. And, and it's incredibly important that our communities do that. And um, you'll, you've heard of the Greensburg plant, the Honda plant in Greensburg. And um, I don't know if any of you read the Wall Street Journal around the time this opportunity was announced for Greensburg, Indiana, a new Honda plant. The story said, you know, the mayor was talking about, you know, two decades ago, uh, it, it would have been hard for anybody to park a, a Honda car in a parking lot without getting it keyed and, uh, and, 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 you know, scratched. And now he said, you know, we're, we're lining up for this opportunity. And one of the neat stories I heard and saw was that the entire community rallied around this opportunity. It was, I was in the middle of it with uh, the governor. It was between Ohio in the end and Indiana. And the whole community of Greensburg got together. They put on red T-shirts and organize themselves in the symbol of a Honda symbol. And someone got on top of the local uh, county courthouse, took a picture. And this picture, uh, we heard from, directly from the, the, the Honda employees that were involved, made its way into the boardroom into, into uh, Tokyo, where the decision was being made. And the, and, the, and the courier said, look, this is how bad this community in Indiana wants our investment. This is, this is the feel you can get for for the, for the kinds of things that uh, they value and, and they want our jobs. Well, that's pretty important uh, for investment. I mean, if you all were going to make an investment in a company, you'd want to feel like it was welcome and that uh, your jobs were important to that community you're putting the jobs in. So that's something that I think Indiana has to continue to improve on and that generally, you know, all, all regions of our state need to work and focus on that front. Um, and, and as I mentioned, the trade missions are a big part of that. But um, I think we need to remember that the world is listening more than ever today in terms of, of messages that are being sent. And uh, we know about the internet and, and how fast news travels. But if you, send, if you don't send out a message that's welcoming new investment, it goes somewhere else. And I think it's just important that we, that we keep that in mind. As I mentioned, thirdly, I really think Indiana has an opportunity to lead in the industries of the future. Um, the life sciences opportunity is one that is not going away. It's just going to continue to be a growth opportunity. Indiana currently is actually a leader. A lot of this happens to be centered in central Indiana, but of course not exclusive, just uh, not far from here. In Warsaw, we know that we lead in the, in the orthopedic area, the orthopedic device area. Huge opportunity for us to continue as, as tissue uh, becomes more uh, ingrained in the devices and, and there's, there's actual... Um, more science that's going into this, not just the mechanics. Um, this is a fantastic opportunity for, for certainly the Warsaw area and this area for, for new growth. We have the, does anybody know where, where Lance Armstrong was cured of his cancer? Went on to seven uh, Tour de France victories. I mean, hopefully you know that he was cured at the IU School of Medicine in Indianapolis, the second largest school of medicine in this country where there's a ton of new research, new cancer center, of course there's a cancer center here at Notre Dame with IU as well. And that's, this, this opportunity represents a huge potential for, for the state of Indiana. And, and again, we're already a leader. On a per capita basis, we're fourth in the country in terms of number of people employed in life science jobs. The wind, solar, the alternative energy area, 
we know of our strong, strong manufacturing base. We know it's right here in this county. Why can't a lot of our companies start making those kinds of products? They're in demand. We know that uh, we just landed a new facility in Muncie, Indiana, from a European uh, company called Bravini. They make the gears for the wind turbines. Uh, there's no reason that solar panels can't be manufactured in Indiana, even though uh, they might be used more out west today. They're going to be used everywhere eventually in this country. And so we're a little behind as a country in these areas because Europe and others have been ahead of us. They've had standards in place that required it. We're moving in that direction. And Indiana has a chance to really, really lead now. Battery development. We know without the battery, uh, you, you, can, you really can't capture the full potential of wind and solar. You can't store it. Wind, of course, is more available at night. So if you can collect that during the night and use the energy during the day. Sun, of course, I think it's during the day. Uh, so you've got to be able to store that. And so we actually have one of the leaders in battery development in, in the country, in the world, frankly, in Indiana, headquartered in Indiana, called Interdell, and it's located in Indianapolis. And this company is growing by leaps and bounds. They just committed about 800 new jobs last year to the state. And so we have an opportunity, again, to be a leader there. And, and they're going to get and apply for lots of grants at the federal level that's coming about as a, stimulus, uh, as a result of the stimulus plan. And yes, I think, and even in the RV sector, you guys tell me, you know, this, this will come back. And when I met with the RV, uh, it's not going to maybe come back to where we were, but it will come back. Uh, there's going to be pent-up demand when, when things turn the corner. And um, are we going to have as, as many eggs in one basket in this county? I, I doubt it, but uh, certainly it, it's going to come back. And there's going to be new types of RVs that are made in the future. And, and, and we can and should be a leader in that area. Fourth, we have a chance to really retrain our workforce uh, like no other time before. And obviously, if you ask Goshen College or any other university president out there, applications are at record highs There's, as a result of the economy and not as many jobs available. There's a ton of money coming to the state of Indiana and frankly every other uh, state, but also local communities and retraining workers. And we have a chance now to really think about how do we match the training that we provide at the Ivy Techs and, and all the other technical schools and, and colleges to the new jobs of the future. And there's an unprecedented amount of money available in this regard. That represents a real opportunity. Fifth, I want to talk about Elkhart County specifically for a second uh, because you know I believe, having grown up here, that this part of the state represents a huge undervalued asset, one that frankly hasn't been uh, marketed as well and, and frankly, um, done as well as, as some other parts of the state where, where, where new investments come in the last few years. And there's no reason for that. Um, there's absolutely no reason for that. This is the entrepreneurial hotbed, one of the, one of the entrepreneurial hotbeds in the state. We know, um, I was talking to Phil Penn earlier at the chamber here, and we know that there are more patents here that are, that are produced and, and, and accomplished than almost any other part of the state. Um, fantastic quality of life here. As I was mentioning to someone today, in Indianapolis, you don't really have any lakes, any natural lakes. You've got reservoirs that if you put your boat on, you end up sinking because the, the water is used when there's a drought in the summertime. So that doesn't happen in the lakes up here, I remember growing up. Um, so great quality of life, great schools, great public schools. Um, anybody can argue me about whether Penn High School is a great public school or not, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Got me to where I needed to go. Um, great educational institutions. Uh, Goshen College, an asset right here in this community. Notre Dame, obviously a huge asset, and one that finally is really starting to be tapped by the state in a stronger way. Um, have any of you heard of this nanotechnology uh, initiative? 
where the state's putting in $12 million, Notre Dame and some of its partners are putting in close to $40, $50 million, IBM's putting in some dollars, and a lot of research will go on in Notre Dame, centered in Notre Dame, but with a lot of partners in the nanotechnology area. That holds tremendous promise. We, the governor, everybody involved in economic development would not have put $12 million of the state's money into this project if we didn't think it held great promise. We all believe, as has been the case in other places where these initiatives have taken place, that new company formation, new innovation will occur, new companies will, will be spun out. So great opportunity there. I mentioned uh, major moves, and I'll say it again, but the toll road itself is an unbelievable asset that uh, I don't think we, you know, I, I didn't understand it before I was in economic development, but how important that, that toll road corridor is in terms of new job opportunities. And when you go around the world and you are talking to companies about where they want to locate and why they want to locate somewhere, infrastructure in terms of interstates is key. They got to be able to get their product out efficiently and quickly, so going to Chicago or going the other way towards Ohio, that toll road is a huge asset that I think can even be further marketed and, and further opportunities. And, and now we've got lots of great real estate available uh, as a result of the downturn in this, in this county, right? So let's go out and let's market it to the world. I mean, this is an opportunity. Uh, there are a fantastic number of people available here with, with good training and, and good talent. And so, you know, instead of looking at always as a, as a negative, I think there's a huge opportunity for this county. And I was, uh, I had heard, I read this in one of Dorinda's uh, pieces, but um, you probably all heard about the advertisement that was on uh, Times Square, right? The, the Jumbotron. You know, I mean, those little things make a big difference in people's perception. It'll probably be written up in lots of periodicals that Elkhart County is open for business. Well, it is, and it should be. And Indiana as a whole, is, it represents, when you go out and market the companies internationally and around this country, represents a value proposition, and this county represents a great value proposition. So I, I, I really feel there's a great opportunity here. And uh, the region, though, needs to come together. And not just Elkhart County, in my opinion. This is just my opinion, but it's got to be St. Joe County and Elkhart County and Kosciuszko County, perhaps. But the region needs to come together because when you're in California or Japan or Germany, they don't ask, you know, tell me about the city of Elkhart or tell me about the city of Goshen. They say, tell me about the workforce in your region. How many people are in the engineering trades or how many people are of life science background? And tell me how quickly I can get to an international airport. Tell me about the road, the, the interstate. How quickly can I get my goods out? So they're not, when, you, when you're first marketing, they're not, you're not, they're not asking about, you know, what's Elkhart or Goshen or South Bend or Mishawaka like. They're, they say, give me a footprint of what the region looks like. In order to get there and be able to do that, you have to talk and you have to get people together on the same page and say, what do we want to look like in five years or 10 years? And let's market this region together. A lot of other parts of Indiana have done that. Uh, effectively, and I think this part of the state uh, really needs to move forward on that, on that front. That's important. Uh, and the last thing I'd like to leave with you is that um, as I travel around the state, or excuse me, around the country and around the world, it's amazing to me how modest Hoosiers are. And we all hear this and talk about this, but we are so modest about what we have in this state. And, we, and I just told you all the good things we have, and we know the tough and challenging things, but we have so many good things. If we were Texas, you wouldn't believe what we'd be saying about this state. I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I go to Dallas and Houston uh, to go visit because these happen to be cities with a lot of headquarters and site consultants who make decisions. These guys, I mean, it's unbelievable. They, you'd think that this is the best place in the world, and it's darn hot in the summertime down there. It's not the most, you know, not the most uh, uh, 
pleasing place to live but necessarily all year round. But they are so proud to be Texans, and they are so proud of what they've accomplished, and they'll tell you, and they walk a certain way too. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> but, you know, we're so modest in this state that, you know, sometimes I think we've got to start being a little better ambassadors for our state and for our cities and telling people how great quality of life is here. And, and I think we all feel that way. But we, I don't sometimes think, you know, and this is everybody's fault from the, from the state to the, to the communities to Hoosiers. We've we got to get out and tell people because in this world, that's what people are doing. And the, and the communications fly so quick and the information gets around this world so, so quickly today. That if you're not out there kind of talking about how great a place it will be for your company and for new jobs, um, somebody else is doing it and, and probably doing it pretty effectively. So um, I think we're poised for a great, uh, for, frankly, I think we're Indiana's post for greatness. I mean, I, I've seen it for the last four years in my job. Uh, it was an honor for me to serve in that, in that capacity. And I work with a lot of you in this room, and, and I appreciate those opportunities to work together. Um, it's obviously a tough time, uh, but uh, as Hoosiers, we all know that that'll pass, and we'll start regrouping, and, and we have a product at the end of the day that'll come back faster, that we can market better than, frankly, most. So thank you for having me today. And uh, if there's any questions, I'd be glad to, glad to answer a couple. But uh, thanks for having me. Dan, thank you. Anybody have a question or two? Yes? Say again. Oh, do you? OK. Sure it would Ab absolutely. Uh, toll road exits are are. Well, the key is, I mean, the, there's so many different aspects of, of economic development. I mean, the key is to make sure that the world is aware of that opportunity, like putting it on the site and building database for the state of Indiana and marketing it to you know. There, I know Dorinda and and other and her colleagues in economic development work at this very hard. But the key is to make sure everybody's aware and the, and that the state of Indiana in my prior shop is aware because. People come in the door and they, 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 won't, uh, they won't make a decision a year from now. They're making a decision three months from now. And if, and if it's not known exactly what the advantages of this site are and it's on the database, it's hard to be helpful. Uh, but, uh, but that sounds like a great opportunity. Anything right off the exit is always in high demand. That's right. And go to Perkins, by the way. <laughs> Restaurant right off the exit 92. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay, thank you very much again. We have some uh, door prizes we'd like to give away, but before we do that, if you didn't get a chance to drop your uh, business card into the basket, if you just want to take one out and raise it up in the air, Mary Ann will come around and grab them real quickly, and then we'll have a drawing for... And Ken, would you mind grabbing some on this side of the room? So again, if you didn't get a chance to drop in your name card, just hold up high your business card. Again, thank you for coming today. Uh, it's our honor to always host you on campus once a year for this event. And um, if you didn't notice, when while Nathan's here, I just want to uh, take him up on his offer you know, to be, practice some daring humility. Uh, if you notice in the commercial this past uh, fall, Goshen College was recognized by Forbes magazine as being in the top 4% of colleges and universities in the country. There are 4,000 colleges and universities in the U.S., and Goshen College was ranked at 159 by Forbes magazine, better than some of the pi privates and publics uh, near us 
and I think even better than your alma mater, Dan. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, what happened? I don't know. Yeah, well, you used to. But uh, again, 159 out of 4,000. If you take the list of uh, the coalition of Christian colleges and universities in the country, the CCCU schools, and overlay it with the Forbes list, Goshen College is one of the top 10 Christian colleges in the country. So I'm not sure if you heard about that or not, but we're right here, and it happened uh, to our local school. And in addition to that, U.S. News and World Reports, of course, they are in the college rankings game. Every year they have a uh, top 50 list or top 20 list for a certain kind of study. Well, this last two years, they've ranked Goshen College as one of the top colleges in the country for international education. So certainly we're living in a flat world today. And um, if you're looking for graduates who can operate in a flat world in a global society, Goshen College grads can do that for you. Many of you are Goshen alumni, and again, we're very proud of you. I think we have the name cards, hopefully, or the name tags, excuse me. Marianne can bring those up. And we're going to have a drawing for a couple of gifts. Um, and Roger, you want to share what those are? Um, thanks again to State Farm uh, for being our lead underwriter and, and Jeremy, Explore Media. Um, Jeremy, wave your hand. There, he's back there, just so you know who these folks are. And State Farm folks are sitting here, so uh, thanks again. We have three door prizes to give away. Um, they are three pairs of tickets for our Performing Arts Series, which will be next season. And so once that series is announced on April the 18th, you then will be able to contact Mary Ann Bean, and, and you'll be able to contact her and let her know which, which performance you want to come to. And it's a huge secret yet what that lineup is. How many, Grammy, how many Grammys do I represent with our performers next year? Well, this year the series uh, had 22 Grammys represented by the combined series performers. Next year's is 30-plus Grammys. So I think you're going to want a pair of these tickets. <laughs> I know who the performers are. They're really good. And, and, and Jeremy actually won this last year, and he came to Bobby McFerrin a few weeks ago, who was on our campus. So, so we if have... you win, we'll ask you to be an underwriter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Anybody want to take your name tag, your uh, cards back out? No. All right, we have three of them. And the first one, I told you you should put your, your name tag in, Dave. Dave Gauchi from MMA. He's vice president of products at MMA. So you can come up and get, a, get yours. I'll just put my glasses back on. The next one, um, from Elijah's Fire International Church, Karen Baker. And the last one from um, Sand Sanders and Pianowski, James Ty. Again, thank you for coming. I'm sure that Nathan will be glad to answer any question you didn't feel like asking in front of the group. He'll be up here at the front. And uh, on behalf of Goshen College, we hope that you'll join us again next year for this event. Have a great day.